people respect and information is what we get on the progressive radio network information knowledge to help you make conscious decisions we have to help the military we help to help our veterans we help to help our families and we have to help the kids one thing we want to talk about today there's several things but the main thing we've had another horrible tragedy in florida where a killer has been let loose in a high school in parkland and uh tragedy beyond imagination. What we see across the nation after this tragedy is like all the other ones is the focus. Well, let's get rid of the guns. Let's come on to the guns. Let's see what's happening. Well, what we want to discuss and talk about today is the underlying motive. What's really happening here? What do we think is happening? What can we do to make an improvement? And these are hard discussions and hard decisions, but it's something that needs to be done. I think one of the things as we look about it, and Ray and I prepare for this program by going online, doing a lot of research, thinking and talking, is we have to go back on fundamental figure out what turned this killer loose on this school. Why did this individual make the decision to attack and kill so many in the school? That's a hard question and might not have a really good answer. Ray, there's you know as we talked about this preparation for this program and this discussion. What do you think is the fundamental thing that's missing or lacking in our schools, in our homes, in our community that's resulting in such horrific events over and over again? I think it's a, it seems to be when you really look at into the, the lives of these individuals that's doing the, the killing, if you trace back, I mean, you find so many things, and we've looked at so many things, Doug, um, on those, uh, what you're talking about, the websites and all, we look on the high schools and we look at the background of the students who do the killing or the person, you'll find um, something happened in their life, something or maybe a series of things happened to them that began to maybe dehumanize them in so many ways. They become unsociable and they began to isolate themselves and, and they began to play around on certain websites and kind of inputting a lot of bad information in their heads and, um, you know, they always talk about be careful who you hang around because it all you always end up like them. And when people uh, do that with technology, when they hang around the wrong, um, you know, groups or, or whoever they might be, they might be anti-government, they might be uh, uh, just a lot of KKK, all these different type things, um, you begin to, to focus on those things and you become part of that. And we look at this young man that, that did the killing in uh, Parkland, and it's like you can trace so many things back in him, but they, they tend to uh, just lose their conscience or lose their ability to feel. Um, and so that's what we're looking at with this guy. And I hope we can talk about a lot of things about him today and help help people to realize that they're surrounded by people like this and they need somebody to care about them. I think it's terrific. Now, you know, when we come back to fundamental, these children are responding. They're not old enough to understand what has happened. They are not old enough, and I'm talking about physiological brain processes, to understand or comprehend totally what has happened around them, why it took place around them, or what they can do to do it. And what I've seen across the network and across the local newspapers and the radio, TV, everybody, well, let's get the guns, let's get the guns, let's get the tool. But the horrific part is this guy could have easily done arson to set fire to the school. He could have easily done anything of a multiple different things that have caused all the harm and all the danger to these kids. 
And now we see a focus once more, well, let's get the guns, let's get the guns, get the guns. And there's no discussion that I've seen yet that I can even find online that I've seen written in the newspapers or the magazines or listened to on the radio where they're looking and saying, what are the causal causality or the relationships between the causes and this horrific event that this killer did? I mean, obviously, he has, con- he has been caught, he has confessed and everything, and as far as I'm concerned, I mean, the death penalty should be warranted without much of any ado, and, you know, you can't retrieve something like this. This killer is so horrible it's done this. I mean, you need to just use a crossbow or use a compound bow and you know, get it over with, and you can retrieve the arrow rather than wasting your money, but that's a personal belief and opinion. The thing that we got to look at that came out loud and clear right off from the bat is this child, and he is truly a child, even though he's a horrific event of an adult, had been expelled from this school, hadn't he? He has been. Uh, he had been more or less disassociated even as a young age, and he went to a lot of traumatic uh, events in his life. His parents and, and everything has died, and he was kind of shifted around from home to home, and and he began, look, my mother died when I was 12, and I know how it affected me. And um, my younger brother was seven, and it was a devastating thing. And uh, we felt like we'd been abandoned. I mean, your mother is a very uh, great thing to have in your life. It's kind of a the balance wheel for, for helping us at home and school and everything we're facing. Uh, but at the same time, when she died... My old, my five older siblings left home, which left my dad, my little brother, and myself. And we ended up moving to uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. And we just resumed life. And you're trying to make the best you can out of it. Dad worked all the time. But, you know, we were in school, and we were trying to maintain. And my dad had a pretty strict regiment for us of cleaning the house and the yard and things like this. But when a child almost being abandoned like this when he loses both siblings or I mean I'm sorry both parents it it tends to be that he just loses hope or he loses that that balance in his life and then people are trying to take over that position and it's hard for that child and this guy grew up with a lot of different traumas and um, I think with every time he did it he might have gone deeper into isolation and we see the results of that it's very clear that he had no home. Uh, some family had taken him in, and they weren't even sure what he was doing. They didn't understand him. You know, you have to thank God that this family even took him in to feed him and give him a roof over his over his head. But it's very clear that something triggered this guy to do this horrific event for which there is no justification, and there has to be swift and total, some may call brutal, but I would say it's uh, justified punishment for this event. Both you and I have lost friends that have died in our arms. We've seen friends get killed. We have both killed before. And we did that when we were much not much older than these guys. I mean, I think you were, what, 18 when you went, 8 or 19, not when you went to Nam. I was 8 or, I think I was just not turned 19, not, well, I was 18, just turned 19. And we weren't able to understand what we were seeing or what we were involved in. And there's no doubt in my mind all these kids in this school have no comprehension other than they've lost their friends or things from a horrific event to truly understand or comprehend it, much less consider 
what really triggered this? What happened? Why did this occur? What do we need to do to correct it? Well, you know, Doug, uh, you know, you hear people talking about him now, and they're calling him a psychopath and all this kind of stuff. But if you look at the definition of a psychopath, it's basically the same thing as a sociopath. And a sociopath is somebody that's affected by a personality disorder marked by aggression, violent, um, antisocial thoughts, and behavior. And they, you know, they force out an aggression. He was, they said he was uh, mean to animals. He was doing this. He was doing that. He was contemplating shooting things all the time. He had a BB gun out in the backyard, you know, just shooting, pretending like he was shooting things, or maybe he was. But then you get on the videos, and you have all these uh, games that they play today, and they're they're violent, and they learn how to kill without even, um, you know, any kind of a semblance of compassion. And they don't realize it, but you can become sociopath without ever going out and, and really doing it to human beings or anything. But you can sit home in your room, and you can have all the quality, or, you know, you can have all the dysfunctions of becoming a sociopath without even realizing it. You lose your compassion for people. And that looks like that's what's happened to this guy. Yeah, we've seen this over and over again. It's not too many months ago where we had an individual out in Las Vegas. I don't know how many people he killed and shot without any hesitation, without any qualms, and they, again, they don't seem to find any justification. And I think we're seeing the same thing. But we have a lot of people that have become more or less sociopaths that are still functioning every day, but they've lost their ability to feel compassion. You know, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, everybody wants to jump on and say it's a mental illness and if there was more mental health treating. But what we know, and again, and again, we've had the expert on this program, and he's put it out completely over and over again, Dr. Dr. Bart Billings, that the, the mental health thing are using black box drugs, psychotropic drugs, way too often instead of digging down to find out what is happening. And as we know and as absolutely proven and verified, and it's on the drug warning, that these drugs, if administered, mess up the brain to where they're either suicidal or they're capable of great harm without their brain even knowing it. That's true. That's a, a sociopath. And, um, you know, society itself is creating this through all this division that America's in today. Uh, people are being isolated. They're being uh, put down. They're being, you know, they have the haves and the have-nots. You have the whites and the blacks and Hispanics. You have a lot of different divisions in the country today, and there's a lot of kids who have been ab abandoned through divorce and through lack of marriage. There's a lot of babies being born, but no husbands around. And these kids are growing up, and, and they're going to have some tendencies of uh, self-defense. They're gonna they're gonna fight. They're gonna push it out, and if they don't, they're gonna end up hurting somebody. Really. One thing that I encountered as a school teacher in kindergarten through graduate school, and encountered this in the, in the elementary and the junior high and high school, we have too many kids in a segment of the population that wants to have the slightest bit of offense. They literally want to fight, not just have a discussion. They literally want to fight, and they do fight. And that's been inbred and brought out and taught, and we see that throughout the schools. And, and it's a horrific, horrific thing to where instead of figuring out and discussing it, they're immediately going to lash out and attack. Well, 
something oh. really has turned sour within our entire school system. It has, and these children have been able to, well, they're being raised by themselves in many circles. Uh, if you look at the school down in, uh, uh, in down in Florida, Parkland, uh, it talks in that particular area. There were a couple different classes of people. I mean, there was haves and have-nots. They had a Jewish population, and and it was a very uh, affluent place. I mean, houses, you know, selling between four and six hundred and seven hundred thousand dollars for a single-family home. Uh, nice, nice place. But there were also some low, um, you know, not poverty level, but they were like work, working class people. But whenever you put all these things together, you end up with certain, um, you know, groups within the high school. We all know it. We all had that. We all were participated in that. But um, today it's a little bit different because it's almost like people have become so geared to society through the uh, through their cell phones, you know, through um, the different texting back and forth and sexting back and forth. And this high school looks very affluent, but, you know, you even spoken about all the problems of this with uh, with different dope and, you know, drugs, everything, sex, everything. And so it's no different from any other high school in America. In preparation, you know, again, I'm an Ar- I spent five years as an Army intelligence officer, you know, and that's horrific thing to do and what you have to figure out. You have to figure out what the enemy's going to do, how to stop it, solve it, and everything else. So the first thing I did with all this stuff came in and after this happened the last few days, I went to the actual high school website to look at their school report card. What is the climate within the school? What is the success rate? How are the children taught? How are the teachers treating the children and then also, just as important, and we all know this, how are the other students treating the other students? And the theme that came across in the community ratings and reviews for the school is, quote, this is one right off the top of it, I really hate this school. Most of the students here are rude, ignorant, and mean, or it's just me. I'm an outcast with no friends at this school. And a large majority of the kids are either spoiled, ratty, preps, and or do drugs and drink. Parkland itself is full of these people. The guidance counselors and other administrators aren't really good either. Some of the bathrooms are locked up for the same reason. Most of the school lunches, like any other, are disgusting. Only given this two stars instead of one, since the education is pretty good and there's a lot of classes and clubs you take. End quote. That was posted on the school website a year ago. Right. And when I read that, and then I continued to read the reports and look at the school grades and everything, what I picked out in a trend is the same thing over and over again. I mean, there's no doubt there's a good school and a good education. That's the very thing. And... uh I continued on, and I read, this is going back three years ago. I originally moved from Orlando, Florida, to Parkland area in 1999. My daughter did fine in elementary and middle school. Things totally changed once she reached high school. Stoneman High School is extremely overrated. My daughter was an average student without any behavior problems. She complained of bathrooms being locked up by the administration, extreme overcrowding, and lots of BD influences. 
if your child is a neurotic overachiever, the school does offer advanced studies and strong academics at the highest level. This is misleading the parents of average students. I ended up sending my daughter to a private school, and she ended up me receiving a university scholarship. If I did it all over again, I never would have sent my daughter to Stoneman Douglas. The school deserves negative stars. When what was that, that written? Tell you? you. When was that written? Do you have any idea? It says three years ago on the website. Years ago. Well, how much? How much has it changed in three years? Has it been good or has it been worse? And if you look at society as a whole, and you look at the cell phones and different things that kids constantly got in their face, they become more isolated. They become more opinionated. They have friends, hundreds of friends that is, uh, you know, inputting into their life. They're being, um, I've read in articles where if they don't sex today, uh, send pictures of their naked parts and bodies and everything, that they're really, um, you know, stubbed. And and so they, in order to be social, you have to be part of this family, more or less. And it, it, what it's done is it's created more problems. Some kids have a conscience and they really don't want to do that stuff so they become they become nerds or they become outcast this boy was talking about an outcast i don't know what he did i don't know what all he did but he talked much about the drugs and things and and um you know smelling drugs in the hallways and nobody would do anything about it i remember a teacher that uh, had retired early and she said the reason she did and she was supposed to be a, a teacher of the year uh, you know, type of teacher. She, she had read, uh, won several awards for teaching, but her reason for, for leaving the uh, school her, it was um, that she said the teachers were scared of the parents, the parents were scared of the kids, and the kids weren't scared of anybody. And in today's, if you ever walk into a high school, and I've done it uh, many times through ROTC programs, teaching them, and I know, Doug, you taught it's a battle just to have a conversation in most classrooms. And yeah, we teacher, were having a nightmare. I mean, in the local school system, especially in Champaign and Urbana, Illinois, high schools where I taught, and then the junior high, same in Rantoul, Illinois, if we were able to get 15 minutes out of a 50-minute period of effective teaching, we were lucky. And there's argument and everything else. I had one class in uh, at Urbana High School where I was taught teaching uh, eighth-grade science. Uh, the teacher, the actual teacher, was asked to take the student teachers for the University of Illinois, and by God, she's the best there ever is, one of the best student teachers teachers and teacher trainers that I've ever met in my career in my life. And the university sent me in there. It confused all the kids. What's Professor Rocky, Dr. Rocky? Who's he? He's going to give us shots? And I'd have 150 kids in my, you know, I had about 150, something right at 150 kids in all of my sections. I have 30-some that were failing. When we called all the parents, I only had one set of parents. Out of all the kids who were failing, they would come to participate or come to teacher conferences. The kids were excelling. The parents were calling me at home, talking to me on the street, stopping me at church. Help, help, help. What can we do to help? You know, so you see the same thing. In today's newspaper in Champaign, Illinois, we're doing this on Wednesday. They're talking about how bad the Urbana school system is where they have to change the academics and the behavior within it. And we're seeing that across the nation. Uh, another quote, and this is gets right into this here. My son, quote, my son is going to senior year at Douglas. He was an A-plus gifted student before high school and has remained so in his classes. He has had such a mixture of teachers from really awful to fantastic. 
but the really awful shouldn't be there at all. The school smells like pot all the time. My kid doesn't ever go into the bathroom because all the kids get high there. Guidance is an absolute joke. They have insulted and put my down my child based on appearance and are opposite of helpful to anything. In fact, they admit they don't know what the colleges look for. The lack of class choice compared to Coral Glades is significant. AP music theory is something offered to the high schools, but not here as well as many others like. Doug? I'm picking up this horrific thing where uh, the class structure is really treated horrifically bad. And when I, who had been expelled, did not complete his education, and it sounds like no hope of getting education because he was now, I think, 19 years old at the time this week when it happened, had lost all hope and all things. And what I sense is the same thing what we sensed at this horrific thing in Las Vegas out there where the guy had gambled and gambled and lost so much money, he was striking back at society for what society had done to him, that what I'm sensing is this killer in Florida at Parkland at the high school, Stoneman Douglas, struck back at society and killed those that he saw disrupting his life, preventing education, destroying his family life, and offering him nothing in the future. Am I missing something here, or is this logic falling through with horrific consequences and a realization of we got a problem? I think it's just pure honesty, Doug. I mean, most people want to determine, well, it's the guns that's causing the problem. Guns, like we talked about, are nothing more machinery. I mean, that thing functions with your finger. When you pull that trigger, then something happens, a piece of machinery there. It goes back to the human spirit or it comes back to the human being, the mind. Uh, they're the ones that do the damage on this thing. So it's not a gun problem. And, you know, it's a, it's not even a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem or a mental problem. And it's not about mental illness. It's about the mentality that comes out of all of this texting and, and social media and all this stuff of technology we have today that our children are engrossed in. I mean, Maybe even an adult, they can control some things. But these young people, they're just inundated with the cell phones and with everything that's going on. You, every, you see the cell phones laying out there in the street and the packs and everything these kids were carrying. They're on them constantly, and they're watching uh, videos at home. They're watching all these things that's going on in their lives, and it's affecting their mentality. It's, it's affecting their futures. This kid just ran out of hope. He figured this was the best of life offered. He just did not want it anymore. And so he struck back at, like you said, the very society that was trying to destroy him. He wasn't shooting kids. He might not have even known some of those kids or even known any of them that he killed. But he was shooting at society, just like the guy in Vegas. Uh, they used, you know, he said he was using a semi-automatic rifle up there. Semi-automatic rifles, there's a thousand different varieties of semi-automatic rifles. You can't get rid of one style and, and hope to do any any good. You have to change the person that's pulling the trigger. And that's what's happened across America. Is You hear it on the news often now, and it's from people I never thought would say it, but they're talking about uh, America has lost its um, conscience or they've lost their morality, and we no longer know how to treat each other. You take a child growing up in that atmosphere, when he grows, he won't even get to grown up, but he'll be fighting like a dog for his own survival. And it sounded like this kid had been fighting for a long time, and he just he ran out of rope. 
and he got tired of it. And through the things he was watching and feeding his brain on and everything and the, the abuse that he felt like he was having to take, he just struck out. Look at the family he lived with. Okay, as we were discussing earlier, and we had some electronic problems, we're looking at the schools, and we're looking at the same consequences all the way across. Behavior and discipline in the schools has failed. In the local schools, rather than discipline where they have a direct consequence for an action to cause harm or their fight, now what they want to do is have the kids sit down and discuss it. Well, granted, discussion is an absolutely thing to get rid of differences or anything, but when you have somebody physically attack and hurt somebody, they need to have a direct punishment. If you steal from somebody, you need a direct punishment. If you run a stop sign, you need a direct punishment. And punishment seems to have disappeared, doesn't it, Ray? Um, I was I was dropping out, but Doug, I heard part of that. But I was just reading about uh, the high school of how they're giving therapy to the kids, and and one of the things they're doing to give them yoga and meditation and trying to get them to calm down, and and you know all these things that try to get rid of the guilt and the shame of everything happened and get them past all of this. That is not the way you heal people. We understand that. I, I've worked in martial arts for 24 years. I knew about meditation and yoga and all these things. It's not about yourself. It's about getting peace and healing. And you can't do it through yourself. Actually, you cause yourself more problems. They're trying everything they can do to fix a problem with these young people. And it's, it's not that. It, it's about the morality part of it. We talk about moral injury. These kids were wounded by their friends being killed, and some of them were physically wounded, but they have been injured, and it's called moral injury. It's when your conscience dictates certain principles of, of morality to you, and it's about not lying, not stealing, not sexual sins. It talks about uh, not killing, and that's what comes in different ways. And then it talks about not being greedy for what you want, uh, you know, opposite to everybody else. And these kids have a natural ability to understand that when their friends are being slaughtered out there, that it, it violates their own conscience and they end up guilty. The problem with America today, we've tried to get rid of all the laws of morality in America because we want to be free and do the things we want. And we don't understand that what we do, we end up psychopaths or we end up sociopaths and we end up where we can't feel anything for anybody. And social media, I've heard it said that social media creates a lot of sociopaths. And these kids are being desensitized to basic human love or basic human morality. And so they're coming up. And they're trying to, to, to get with people that they associate with or they won't associate with and that agree with what they believe and what they think. And they're being pounded by all these different voices in their lives through the social media. And these kids are messed up. They're mixed up. And, yeah, it was a good school. It's not as bad as, say, New York City or Chicago, some of the major schools, inner city schools. But the, in New York, I've read where 80% of the teenagers in New York, high schoolers, have some form of social or some form of STDs, and it comes through a lot of sexual activity. That is breaking that rules of morality. And we're teaching the kids. We took out the Ten Commandments and uh, anything that dealt with morality from the um, school system, and we took out the prayer in school that we used to enjoy, Doug. I mean, we, that, well, I, I don't know if we enjoyed it back then, but now we appreciate it. And they filled it full of sex education and all the social things that how to make society. And they, what they did, they ruined it. 
they have taught these kids how to, uh, you know, enjoy their flesh, and they're giving these kids every kind of disease and everything in the world and a lack of uh, uh, society or less, lack of compassion and mercy for people. And this is what you get out of this. We're seeing it all around us. You know, it just bothers me thing because the horrific consequences again, and, and these poor children, and that's what they are, this is going to affect them for the rest of their life. There is absolutely no doubt about it. And there's nothing they could have done, so to speak, once it began to stop it. There's nothing they could have done or anybody could have done to prevent the horrific events that taken care of. I mean, you and I have both been involved in law enforcement. I've got an undergraduate degree in law enforcement administration. We've been involved in training police officers for many, many years. I mean, you've seen the lesson plans I've used. You've given me the lesson plans you've used to do them. But one thing we forget about all those great police officers, anything, they ain't nothing but historians. That's right. They're historians that have a gun that respond after the fact. It's like they had another murder, another shooting, and the guy's in critical condition today in the middle of the afternoon at Five Points in Urbana, Illinois. The black woman just shot a guy in the car. We don't know what happened or, you know, they're still on the run and everything in the middle of the afternoon. And we've had shootings at both Central High School after a basketball games and shootings at Rantoul High School game, high school at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, today I saw the uh, headlines on our newspaper. We live in a small, just a small town, about 40,000 people. And uh, we had three high schools that had uh, th- um, gun threats in the last week. Uh, people uh, sending texts and, and Instagrams and all this stuff, having pictures of guns and saying, you're next. And so they've been catching kids. They've caught three kids so far making those threats. And one of them was a false threat anyway. But... Um, Doug, how do you how do you do this? I'm fearful for the kids out there protesting. And somebody's going to open fire on those. Because well, see, that's so one of the things that bothers me and everything else. We've got a massive, massive problem with the Mexican drug cartels and drug dealers in Rantoul, Champaign, or Urbana. There's no doubt about the drug gangs have infiltrated the schools and the community, and we're seeing that place is not safe at all. The University of Illinois campus is not safe. Even any consequences, they had murder right in one of their main parking garages over and over again. And we've seen, you know, two shootings on campus and, and I don't know, just a few months with horrific consequences. But it's it's broken beyond imagination because there's no individual accountability or responsibility. We're seeing horrific outcomes in the schools. Like on this will be broadcast on Sunday, so it'll take place on Friday. We're doing this on Wednesday. But we're going to have a discussion at the University of Illinois with the changes in all the stuff with technology. What do we need to do within the within the schools to keep the kids up to date as technology changes? Well, one of the things that we've talked about and we're seeing over and over again, and this is where this killer comes into, he was thrown out of school without a degree, seeing no hope of going back into it, get a degree, and then probably treated horrifically as all these other kids are reported on the school's own website. Uh, there's no hope for them in the future. Well, you know, they're, they're blaming legislators right now. They're up there at the capital of you know, the state of Florida, um, Tallahassee, and they're, they're confronting legislators. And tonight on CNN at 9 o'clock, I think it is, they're going to have a town hall with these students facing, um, you know, Senator Rubio and different ones, 
uh, with Florida, and uh, you know, it, no telling what kind of conversations we'll have. But getting back to that social thing and about the morality thing, there's a scripture in Psalms that says, "The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations that forget God." If they want to look at the legislators and the judges, they're the ones that took the prayer out of schools. They're the ones that took the Ten Commandments, the basic laws of morality, out of the schools many years ago, and they made it illegal for the for the teachers to pray with the students. And it, it's almost, I mean, it's inconceivable what they have done because they've created this situation, and now the kids are, like, rising up. They're the ones that are saying, quit killing us. I mean, you're destroying everything we love. We just want to have a life like you've had. And the legislators are not doing anything about this thing. They don't. Maybe they're pulling their hair. I don't know what they're doing. But in, if it took what caused the problem was getting God out of the classroom, the only way you fix this thing is to get God back in the classroom. One of the things on the Internet was saying, one of the students was saying, where was God when all this shooting took place and my friends were dying? And the answer came back. He was expelled from school a long time ago. So you can't blame God for this. You have to blame a lack of God for this. That's where our morality comes from. And there's no other way you're going to get it. You can try if you will. but And our judges and Supreme Court and, and different ones and legislators are the ones who caused this problem. You know, one of the things that Jen, I've seen this all over, and again in our local newspapers and the same thing in Florida, they're blaming the National Rifle Association for this killing and everything else is happening. And they're saying, well, this congressman took money for him. Legislators don't solve the problems. They can't pass a law. They can't do anything to alter or change behavior. When they do pass a law, they're not enforced. I mean, you know, you got all the stuff on the requirements. In other words, what do you have to do in order to get a gun today? But yet you have the misinformation put out and progressed by the media and by the press which is totally contradictory to what's actually in reality, just because they have a political agenda. But we're still coming back to the same thing. Right now, the focus across the nation is what can we do for gun control? There's not a darn thing or discussion to saying what do we have to do as far as morality control? What do we do as far as how do we teach and train the schools and teach the kids in the schools? What do we do with the child, as such as this killer, that was abandoned by his family and then abandoned by the school who then loses all hope and in his brain and his mind because there's no ethics and morality he says I'm gonna strike out and kill and now we have a horrific nightmare where we have I don't know what 16 or 17 are dead and how many wounded I, I, I think there was 14 originally I thought it was I'm not sure I think it was 31 all total dead and wounded Whatever that is, I'm not sure what it is. But but every one of them has been wounded. Every child in that school, everybody that saw it on television has been wounded in some way. And they either, either got more sympathetic or they got harder concerning that. You know, they've always said if you take guns from the good people, you, only the bad people will have guns, basically, what they're saying. Our nation is full of guns today. Uh, that, and so taking a particular weapon away from the people is not going to solve the problem because it's in the heart of people. Uh, well, 99.9999% of the people that own guns are not involved in crime, and they're just the opposite. They're totally law-abiding and do everything that they can prevent crime or stop crime or make a difference. So you've got that horrific thing. There's no doubt at all in that stuff that the gun does not cause the problem. But you've got a social and cultural 
significant problem. I mean, when you say and look at the school of report cards, and I mean, this is really crucial to the same thing. I couldn't find the equivalent of the, uh, you know, the school report card for uh, Florida as we have here. And I'm just going to pull out the Central High School. This is here in Champaign, Illinois. And this is the equivalent of what is happening for the kids at grade level. This is a report on last year's testing. Uh, they're just getting set to go into this year's testing. When we look at the success by academic group and everything else, for the white population, you had 25% of the white kids were functioning at grade level and 2% were uh, exceeded the current grade level. For the black population, you had only 4%, 4% were functioning at grade level. For the Hispanic population, only 6% were functioning at grade level. And then for the low income, it was 7% functioning at grade level. And those that are learning the language was 18% functioning at grade level. That is horrific when you have the predominant portion of the children academically not performing or completing their work at grade level. We got nothing but a problem. One thing that I learned as a teacher at all different levels is the ones that are misbehaving and disrupting the school are the ones that are failing because they don't make the effort. They don't take the assistance that is offered by all the teachers and the behavior is totally disruptive. And then when you call the parents for help and to see the same proportion, again, the same thing. We're well, not Doug, seeing have the parental support are, necessary. I have friends that have, uh, we all do, have children in school and all. And some of those families that I know, they're, they're exemplary. They they close family network. They're, they're always helping their children and student and their studies and everything and the homework. Uh, they help them prepare for, uh, like, not only tests, but also in some of the clubs and things they belong to. And then I have other friends, like at church and all, uh, different ones, but um, they don't help their kids. They, they're not there with them. They, they just let them play around. I, I'm constantly on one family about their young boys, and I'll say, you got your homework? And I'll say, do you have homework? And they'll say, yeah. I said, have you done it? This will be Sunday afternoon. No, I haven't done it. Why haven't you done it? Uh, I've been playing on TV or something, playing with the games or something like this. And a lot of that stuff goes back to the parents. It's not the child can't learn. It's just it's like a computer, junk in, junk out. And when they develop certain habits of not studying, it, it affects everything they're doing. So it, they get behind, and it's hard to catch up, and then they put them in a lower-level grade or something, and then they take the kids who do want to study, and they'll bring them up, and they separate them, and they keep the other ones more or less ignorant. There's been so many children that or young people that graduated from high school and couldn't even do mathematics. They couldn't do anything. They had very little uh, education in anything because they were just allowed to pass. No child left behind, and that is that's the way it worked for those things. Doug, I told the story before, but I'm going to do it real quickly, that I was watching a documentary years ago, and it was about Africa. And there was a group of um, game wardens that were out looking for poachers that were killing elephants and taking their tusks. And so that's what the documentary was about. But in making the documentary, they had walked up on a small group of adolescent elephants, young elephants. 
and they were by themselves, which is really not even thought of because elephants keep a fat, close family um, ties in this thing, and, and the elder ones are always teaching and, and controlling the younger ones. And so these young ones were all together, and they were fighting, and they were pushing each other, and they were running, not even acting like elephants. And so they followed them and came across an area where all the older elephants had been killed and their tusks were cut off of them. And the young ones were left to raise themselves. And they weren't even acting like regular elephants because they had lost, they had no training. And they were teaching their own selves and acting up, you know, um, away from everything you would ever think about an elephant uh, herd. And that's the way the children are. When they're left by themselves, they cause their mother shame, they call their father shame, and they call their community and their nation shame. You can't let children raise their own selves. And we've done that in America. We took away God out of their schools. We took away the Ten Commandments. We took away the, the prayer time in five minutes or whatever it is. And they let them pray to anybody. Every Almost every religion that I've ever studied on um, always agree with the Ten Commandments because it's the laws of morality. And when you lose that law of morality in growing up, in raising a child up, and in growing up in America, you end up a, a different person. You don't have the morals. You don't have the, the care about other people. You don't have the uh, compassion for people. You just laugh at them. You see somebody out there struggling, you laugh at them, maybe go push them down and walk away. You just don't care anymore. And One look of the things we saw, in and there was a movie called The Blind Side, and what this about a professional football player who came out of the worst of the worst, ghettos and crime, and his parents, mother didn't even know, didn't know who his parents were, where they were gone. And he was taken out of that culture and put into an elite, into a white culture that cared about education, where their brothers and sisters took him in, they cared him a brother and sister. And he went on to finish his high school years to excel, to go on to the University of Mississippi to excel, to go on to excel in professional sports. And what we saw at Central High School here in Illinois, in Champaign, we see the same problems over and again in the culture of family after family after family, same thing in Rantoul, where they're totally failing, and yet the child can excel, the child can exceed, the child can reach all the dreams. But it takes individual effort, it takes individual responsibility, it takes total parental support. Uh, and it it doesn't matter about the color of the skin because it matters about the quality of people. And uh, Ben Carson talked much about that. It, it's, it goes way beyond the color of people because I know black families are just as decent and moral and just as helping their kids. Their kids grow up, uh, go to music schools, go to become doctors, they go to medical schools, everything. So it doesn't have anything to do with the color. It has to do with the environment the child's living in. And so... This is what I found out, Doug. I mean, I'm a chaplain, too, and, and you love the Lord like I do. Um, but God can change a person from a sorry person to a very good person, a decent person, an honorable person. And though you didn't uh, raise your kids like you wish you had, you can start over, and you can begin to do those things, and you can care about yourself and everybody else. So it's not like you're stuck and can't find your way. But the answer is when they threw God out, this is a situation we inherited. What we have to do is get God back in there in their lives, and he can change this thing, but only he can do it. 
And until America learns that thing, until we tell our legislators and our judges, shut your mouth, we're going to do it anyway. Doug, you can't go in that classroom today and teach a Bible class, but those kids can do it. They can have Bible clubs, and they can't stop them from having those things. And so if we could teach these young people what, this, what the, not only the problem is, but also the solution for it, we could turn this thing around. We have lost a lot of room. We've lost many years, and people growing up in this environment, and now they've been socialized through social media, and it's really created a lot of sociopath people because they've lost compassion, they've lost mercy, they've lost decency. <clears throat> but you can regain it if you just ask God for help and ask him to forgive you and then move on. God can do these things, but it takes somebody that cares enough to stop and start over and begin to raise these kids like we ought to. Well, the same thing within the school. I mean, as we read the report card, as we've cited here direct quotations, this kid obviously down to his killer, he'd lost all hope and all dreams. Family totally dysfunctional, support, no school, no education. But then what the school and how the school kids treated him has got to change there too. I mean, people are different, but everybody has the same the opportunity and everything else. What will happen and when will it be, if ever, do these kids and the other people, not just this school, but the other ones, realize that how we treat or react or function towards other people make a difference on what they end up doing and how we function ourselves? I think in the long term, as we learn from moral injury now with all the multiple wars and everything, when we went to war without justification, we were lied to. We didn't do something or we did something that was wrong, it tears you apart. I think the long-term consequences of not this but the other shootings in Parkland is going to be beyond imagination and horrific because at some point they're going to realize, hey, did I have any relationship or any involved in the cause of why this guy went bonkers and killed so many of my friends and my sisters and my other kids? Because they did have a part on that, Doug. Everybody that treated him like dirt did. And they talked about it, and they ridiculed him. They talked about he would probably be the one that came in there and caused the problem, everything. And they just pushed his head further under the quicksand. And they're going to feel guilty about those things. But, you know, I was uh, doing something. I was speaking to a law enforcement yesterday, a whole classroom of uh, police officers. And I was talking about the moral injury part. And, you know, most, not everybody, I think only about 70% of the military, they say because of wars, have um, had problem with post-traumatic stress, and they've had moral injury. Anytime you have post-trauma, you're going to have moral injury more than likely. But then, on the other hand, probably nearly 95% of people that you meet have had some type of moral injury in their life. They've either been beat up, beaten up. They've either been uh, in car wrecks. They've been, um, well, not car wrecks, because that would be post-trauma. But moral injury is when you're violations to your conscience. They've been lied to, they've been cheated, uh, every, all these things, and it creates this guilt, this anger, this uh, resentment, this fight-back feeling, and, um, and that's so important to understand. God is the only one who can clean that conscience up again and start you over in life. And so uh, we, we know the problem, and it's not the guns, and it's not really those kids down there, but it's actually what we taught those kids. And we've got to change that thing. You know, we, you know they said, Doug, in, in the last 20 years, the world has had 18 school shootings. 
We've had that many since January 1st. You know, it just bothers me because when we were raised on every day, I was, we went to church and we were used to excel in school. I wish I had done more in my effort in school than what I did today. And granted, we did have bullying in school. I, I survived it, although it definitely left a dent, and I'm seeing that happen today. I got a grandson that's in eighth grade, and he reports bullying as a totally normal event every day in school that nobody cares about. You have a whole group now of teachers and administrators that were raised and brought up without that solid fundamental morality that needs to be there as a foundation for everything, so they themselves don't know how to discipline because they themselves don't know what proper discipline is. Uh, we like to take the sto- tell the story in our own family where, you know, my grandson went into school first day in sixth grade, and how they're acting up, he did something wrong. Well, his other grandma happened to be a teacher at the school and was right there, immediately grabbed him, threw him into the classroom, and said, I'll deal with you in a few minutes. And his other teacher, brand-new teacher across the way, was just beside herself. Why did you do that? What did you do? What right? You can't do that and discipline that child. And his grandma looked and said, yes, I can. He's my child, and any child needs discipline, I'm going to do it. Uh, and I forget a story of one of my aunts. I was 60 years old, and I did something wrong, and I came back home, and my aunt grabbed me and turned me over her knee and spanked, my, spanked me. <laughs> Talk about pure love. Because <laughs> she loved you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you didn't love me so much sometimes. You know, but I was in a jail cell the other day speaking to the inmates, and one of those inmates, somebody, they said, matter of fact, it was several inmates that went on him and just beat the tar out of his face. His face was all bloated up and black and blue and all this kind of stuff. And and these other guys were telling me, and they were really sympathetic. He was part of a prayer group. I don't know what he did or what he said. I don't know what happened. But a bunch of these guys went on him, and not the prayer group, but these other inmates went on him and just, you know, tore his head up. I, I work with also with um, correction officers. And they work with these inmates. And it's, I don't know if it's policy or if it's just what it is, but they will change these people once in a while from uh, being in one particular uh, cell block because they began to kind of cater to the people, you know, to, to the inmates. They become one of them. They don't want to cause any kind of uh, problem because they're, in, they're locked in there with these guys. And teachers are about the same way, I would say, that teachers sometimes will turn a blind eye to something going on because they can't afford, they don't want to make everybody their enemy. And so they hide in the shadows, you know, kind of hide in the light kind of thing. And with these kids, uh, picking on a particular kid, and maybe his ears are big, or maybe his, his face is distorted, or maybe something happened to the kid, and people are picking on the guy. And the teacher many times will make sure they're really busy so they don't pay attention to it. But the damage is being done. It used to be when we had somebody in school and growing up in junior high and high school, if you had a kid that had uh, some form of mental problems, you know, growing up or anything, or um, he had physical ailments or anything, people picked on him. They laughed at him. They joked at him. They picked at him. And I remember a kid one time, um, I can't remember what he had. He was pretty, uh, couldn't hardly walk, all these things. But a guy picked on him, and that guy went on him, and, I mean, tore his head up. He couldn't really swing like he wanted to, but he really went on him. And it put a little bit of fear in people because it was actually this guy could literally fight back. But we, we've seen that throughout time, and they pass so many laws in school 
about not messing with people who uh, are disfigured or, or people that have certain diseases or things going on. And uh, But how about the other ones? This kid really didn't have that many things wrong with him, but um, people picked on him, and he ran out of the other part we have to look at is the police response. And what we saw on the news, and we've seen it all over, they had another shooting incident right here, Champaign-Urbana again overnight. The cops go running up in a cluster. They all drive up, and they all park together. They can't move. They can't. If they get out, they all go running up together, and they got their little shields as if this is going to protect them. Or they don't secure their perimeter or look when they're in. Granted, they got to get in and stop the event immediately, but there's got to be some common-sense approach on how you do it to where you yourself don't end up being a casualty. I think they just had another police officer murdered uh, in the South on this, uh, or in Chicago, too, also. Definitely a gang, 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 drug gang, and all this stuff, and the cop was murdered flat out cold. And how do they run in to get the proper training? We've had a problem here locally with the police training when we were put it together for the police doing the training, run by senior law enforcement officers. Only a handful of officers would show up for the training. And the comment was, "Well, I'm not being paid, and it's not, uh, and it's not, it's on my time, and I don't have the money to cover it." And I'm going, "Whatever happened to professional development on your own to excel and to exceed and to do well?" I mean, they're overworked, underpaid, no doubt about that, and the stresses are beyond imagination, and their whole families are affected. But when they're dealing with a culture and everything else is turned topsy turvy, what else are they going to do? They don't know who they can trust, when they can trust them, or if they're going to turn on them in a heartbeat. How many domestic incident reports have you worked as a police chaplain where it turned sour immediately when the police went to help part of the victim? Well, you know, Doug, I've got a granddaughter uh, that was born with birth defects. She has two older sisters that are just seemingly to be perfect. I mean, they're beautiful young girls, always were. Um, but but this granddaughter, she had uh, birth defects, and they didn't even think she would sit up uh, when uh, when she was born. They told they told my daughter, you know, we don't even think um, she'll be able to sit up, much less walk. But Courtney began. We we prayed all kind of prayers for that girl, and she began to motivate herself. I guess even as a child, she began began to overcome things. And she began to walk. Uh, she began to, today she plays the piano. Today she writes books. She, uh, she does all kind of things. But if you, we know because we've lived with Courtney, and Courtney has been through a lot of ridicule in her life, and she knew she was different from everybody else. And people would giggle, and people would laugh, and people make fun of her, and she can walk great, club-footed. Um, and she doesn't deserve that kind of treatment. We understand well, that. Well, we're done again, Ray. God bless you. Enough is enough, and it's time to put God back in, bring morality, teach everybody, and stop the nightmare. But can't keep blaming the tools. God bless. A hard discussion. Thank you, Ray, and thank you, everybody. Good evening. <laughs>